Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Uh, this October, we're doing true crime mini episodes. Uh, there's a lot of them out there, and oh, yeah. some of them are not very many. <laughs> like, there was some that I was like, oh, that one looks really interesting. And it was like 16-hour audiobook. I was like, that is not a mini. There was, was one that I wanted to do. It was 500 pages. I said, um, a, a true true crime, true life. This really happened. 500 pages. I mean, I get it that, like, there can be a lot involved, right, with true crime, like, depending on, like, what happened and the people involved and how many people are involved. But, like, some true crime goes, like, too deep into information that's not really relevant. That was my thought. And also, this one was, like, a newer crime, literally within, like, the last year and a half, maybe two years, too. So I was like, how do you have that much information? Like, they only recently, like, caught the guy, like, within, I think, the last calendar year. They recently caught the bad guy. And I was like, how do you, like, the trial probably isn't even done yet. Like, unless he, like, really, like, pled guilty and, like, didn't want a trial or, like, asked for an expedited one. I don't know. I I didn't do that one, so actually I can't can't speak to it. Because obviously I didn't do that one. No. Surprise, surprise to no one, I didn't do that one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's just, that's one of the things I don't generally love about true crime. Like, I like knowing more about the victims like I know that that's really important but like sometimes I'm just like I didn't need to hear literally every single person involved in this case's entire life story like if it's relevant and like has a purpose to the main point then sure give me that information like give me a little bit of background Mm -hmm. um but as a whole I think sometimes it just get too deep into it and it feels like a police file and not, not like mm-hmm. a story which is what i'm usually looking for i'm like just tell me the story yeah it's like, like the cops interviewed the neighbor and now we have to hear the whole neighbor's life story and i'm like even though it's completely irrelevant yeah it's like the neighbors like said they saw a blue car drive by like that's it like okay like why did you take four chapters to tell me that that was ridiculous <laughs> yeah gotta set the stage so I picked something that was actually short um, and they did do a good job at like being succinct, giving me just enough background where like it was relevant, but not too relevant. Um, so the book that I did is Gitchy Girl by Phil and Sandy Hammond. So this is a survivor story. So somebody did survive this particular crime and uh, wow, I didn't expect it to go the way that it went. I was like angry at the, at the cops in this book. Oh, um So what uh, happened here is um, in, I believe it was a summer or maybe it was fall. Actually, I think it was like November of 1973. I could be wrong, but I know it was 1973. Um, This girl, Sandra, who's 13 at the time, she is at Gitche Manitou State Park, which is like on the border between South Dakota and Iowa. Um, So she like lived in South Dakota. She was there with her boyfriend and his three friends. Worth noting, her boyfriend is, like, significantly older than her. Well, I mean, at 13, dating, like, a 16, 17-year-old is, like, significantly older. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, that's good um, time of your life right there. Yeah. Before they get into, like, the actual, like, crime, really, and, like, what happened here, they do give you background on Sandra. So, because it's kind of relevant to, like, how she behaves during this crime and, like, kind of what happens and what comes up for her. So, quick background on her is that throughout her life, she kind of was tossed around from place to place like she has a mom um she has siblings but her mom went to nursing school and so when she was really young she lived with her grandparents um which is fine like that's normal like her Mm -hmm. mom just didn't have time to raise kids while she was going to school and then when they did finally move back in with their mom their mom got a new boyfriend who didn't want the kids around 
I think she has like three brothers. So that's like a lot of kids and mm-hmm. some women do whatever their boyfriend wants. And so she put their kids in foster care. Oh, which is messed up. Honestly, I thought like they were all just going to go with the grandparent, but okay. Right. I know. I was like, why not? Well, at that point, like grandpa had died. So like maybe grandma like didn't want to take on all four kids, mm-hmm. like as an aging parent. Um, so like, I get that. But putting your kids in foster care because your boyfriend doesn't want them around is, like, really messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, Sandra ends up, they don't all end up in the same foster home. Obviously, no foster home usually takes, like, four siblings. Um, I think that her mom actually ended up keeping two of the siblings and then sent two of them to foster care, which is even more messed up. Yeah, because you're like, like, oh, four is too many. Let's just get rid of the last two. Yeah, like, so you're not a favorite. You're not a second favorite. Like, you're you're in the bottom half of who your mother loves. Right. It's super messed up, especially because, like, she's the only girl. So she's in and out of foster care. She has some really bad experiences. They don't really say a lot about it, but, like, there's some implication that, like, potentially she was sexually assaulted in in foster care by one of the foster dads. Um, She does talk her mom into, like, taking them home, but it's short-lived. They send them off to boarding school. She really hates boarding school, talks her mom into taking her home again. So she's kind of just, like, got this, like, in and out kind of deal and, like, would basically do anything to not end up back in foster care. Um. That's like really the important like background that you need to know on Sandra that like feeds into the story. They do a good job of like not giving you too much information, but just enough that like it helps explain some things for her. So fast forward back again. She's 13. They're at Manitou, Gitchy Manitou State Park. Um, So they're just kind of hanging out. Like she's been seeing this guy for a little while. Like he does seem like a very nice boy, like very respectful. Um she has a lot of freedom because her mom works nights and I don't think anyone knows that she's dating this guy. No one seems to concerned, but it's the seventies. I guess stuff's a little different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would have some concerns if my 13 year old daughter was dating a 16 year old. Absolutely. But you know, whatever doesn't come into play apparently. <laughs> uh, so they're at the state park and I think that like they saw other people there. It's like really dark. They're just kind of hanging out when two of the boys that are there are like, brothers and they play music and so they're like singing and just like kind of having a good time but when they think that they hear other people around they get kind of paranoid about it they're like oh i didn't think anybody else was here like Mm. it's kind of being spooky um they saw like a campfire that looks like maybe somebody had been there recently and they're like well maybe campers like we're coming back to their campsite and like we took over their campsite um to calm down everybody they decided to smoke a little weed well they could go either way though that could definitely go either way, especially if you've never smoked weed before. Mm-hmm. Um, she felt like it made her more paranoid, which that sounds right. When you're yep. 13, if you never smoked weed before and you're in the forest in the middle of the dark. Yeah, you're um, already a little weirded out, but. She sees two like dark figures that she's pretty sure are like men, uh, like run like near their campsite. And she like alerts the, the guys that she's with and they were like, oh, we don't see anything like you're just being paranoid, whatever. These guys just start open firing on Whoa. the kids there. Okay. Like, yeah. So I didn't know where I thought this was going to go, but not that way. Yeah, I know. Right. So two of the boys immediately shot one of them, her boyfriend. Um, so her and two of the other guys like kind of run off. One of them kind of like drags her because she's a little paralyzed. She's like, oh my God, what is happening right now? Like, mm-hmm. it would be very surreal. Like, you're a little high. It's dark. All of a sudden there's shots like... They weren't really sure what was happening. She's like, maybe it was a car backfiring. And I just like misunderstood what was going on here. Like, so they go and hide. And then after a little while, they hear one um, because she ran off with one guy. And then another one was like yelling that he was shot. And um, then they hear the assailants 
yell, like, come out with your hands up or with the police. I don't believe that at all. I know. I didn't believe it at all either. <laughs> but at 13, she was like, okay, so they're the police. Like, something's wrong because they were smoking weed. Weed's illegal. Mm -hmm. um, they're technically on the Iowa side. So it's like, a, I mean, at that time, I think everywhere it was a federal offense. But, like, apparently Iowa was, like, particularly strict about it. Um, so they come out with their hands up. And he was like, my hands are up or whatever. And then he shoots another one of the kids. Some of the details here get kind of messy because a lot's happening all at once. Like, yeah. I don't need to give you all the play-by-play. The -play, but basically... They say that they're cops. They say that they're coming to arrest all these kids because they're smoking weed, that they're going to potentially get 10 to 15 years in prison unless they cooperate. Um, they lead her and then two of the other boys, the ones that are currently still alive. I think one of them shot, one of them was just like slightly injured, like mm -hmm. had hurt himself or something in some way. Um, lead them to a van where there's a third man. So there's three assailants at this point and then three remaining kids. They ask like, how many girls are with you? And they were like, just, just her. They start like asking questions like, why are you out here? And like, not really answering though, their the kids questions, like in the way that they would think cops would, mm -hmm. like, they don't have like walkie talkies or anything. They're just like yelling at each other. So like, she does have some suspicions, but she also doesn't want to go back to foster care. She's like, I don't want to go into the system. I don't want to be removed from my family. They kept telling her that like her boyfriend was already under arrest for dealing drugs and like he was going to get at least 15 years and that she was going to have to like figure out what she was going to do, but if she didn't cooperate, you know, mm -hmm. so her like panicked mind is like, okay, I'll just cooperate. I'll just do whatever they tell me to do. Um, when they find out that she's the only girl, because one of the other boys that had survived at that point had long hair and they thought he was a girl too. They mm -hmm. kind of, I, I don't know exactly at this current point what happened because we're focusing more on like what happens to her. Yeah. Um, but Basically, they're like, oh, okay. So they focus on her and they take her to like a barn. And then like one of the guys sexually assaults her. It, I mean, it's rape, but so mm -hmm. trigger warning for Sherzies for this one. Um, like they basically were out there to just like attack these kids and then take the girls. Jeez. Like, yeah, awful. Um, they tell her, like, she's still playing along at this point. Like she's like absolutely kind of frozen, but she's like, I still don't want to go. Like maybe they are police. Like I can't question them. Like I don't know what to do. And the guys were like, okay, tell us where you live. Like we won't tell them that you were out here smoking weed with your friends. And then like, we'll make sure that you don't go to jail, but you can't tell anyone what we look like or who we are. Like mm -hmm. we just need to make sure that you don't tell them that you saw us because we could get in trouble from work. Okay. Like, so they drop her off at home. She survives. The next morning she goes to call her boyfriend. She's like, hopefully like he made it home or maybe like her parents, his parents can tell me that like he's at the police station. Cause she's still basically in denial. Yeah. Of, like any of this happened. Like she saw the guns, like she saw people get shot, but she's so like scared. <laughs> like I would be too at 13 years old. I couldn't imagine seeing all that happen right in front of you. Like you would definitely be in denial about what's really going on. And cause mm -hmm. like, she didn't see her boyfriend down necessarily. Cause it was dark. Like yeah. she just knew that she didn't see him and they said that he was arrested. So she's still at this point, like really just hoping that they're actually cops. Um, finds out the next day that her boyfriend's already been found dead. Um, where they are in the Gitche Manitou state park is like a very small town. And it's so, like, they weren't really ex actually expecting to find bodies there when they got called and were told there were mm -hmm. bodies there. They were like, there's probably some like drunk teenagers on the ground or whatever. Like mm -hmm. that's probably who we're going to find. Nope legitimately four dead bodies oh, at the state park um so at this point 
basically she goes in and she was like, I saw it. I was there. I saw the whole thing. She gives her whole story there. The cops immediately suspect her of being involved Hmm. at 13 years old. Yeah. They were like, oh, well, she must know more than she's letting on because we asked her to like write down everything that she could remember. And she like didn't even seem upset. She apparently didn't even understand what the word homicide meant. They just kept saying that. And so she thought it had something to do with the drugs. Well, I mean, you're 13. And in, the sev- and in the 70s, too. So it's not like now where it's like all around all the time and something that people have really noticed. Yeah. So like the fact that like she wasn't like crying or whatever and like so upset when they told her like and had her write down her statement. She was like, well, I was just really focused on like writing down my entire statement. She's like, I wanted to get it all out before I like got upset or whatever. She's like, I wanted to get the information down so that they had all the details that I could possibly think of to find these guys. Mm hmm. And so, like, she thinks she's being helpful, but the police legitimately are suspecting her. They're like, there's no reason that a stranger or strangers would come out here and shoot a bunch of kids. Like, why would they do that? Like, they went, they sent her in for, like, you know, like a rape test and that kind of thing. Um, They even, like, made her go through, like, polygraphs because they just, like, didn't believe her. Like, it's more likely that, like, this girl has obviously been dating some other guy who got jealous that she was dating this guy. And so it must be, uh, like, an ex-boyfriend who's angry. Yeah, because that makes a lot more sense than her version. (laughs) I'm just like, what the hell? One of the police officers does believe her, though. He's like, I don't see why this wouldn't be credible. Like, she came forward to us. Like, she gave us all the information. Like, her story has been really consistent. She passed the polygraph. Like, clearly she was assaulted. Like, so he starts driving her around because she was like, if I can find this barn, I can point out, like, who these guys were, basically. Mm -hmm. So she like made, gave descriptions. Like there were signs up around town. They spend two weeks driving around trying to find this barn. And she does. She was like, that's him. That's the freaking barn. The police end up catching the guy. It's like one guy and his two brothers who are felons who aren't even supposed to own firearms. But like she has spent all this time being accused. I know it's only like two weeks, but after this, like they have still have to go to trial and everything. And in a mm-hmm. small town, people were treating her like she was part of it. Like she wanted to go to her boyfriend's funeral and his mom like started screaming at her that like this was her fault. That like she did it. Obviously not. Like they found the bad guys. She's a literal child. Yeah. And like I get like, like the mom is like also grieving, but like she still. is still. I know. Still. So I felt so bad for her, but this is like truly a survivor story. Like even through all of this, like she was incredibly persistent that like, no, I know what I saw, I know what happened. And like even like full-grown adults have a hard time sticking to their story when they know that they're innocent like that's a that's Mm -hmm. a real thing so it's like very impressive that she was able to like no this is what happened and i'm gonna figure it out because she was like the cops aren't gonna do anything if i can't find these guys basically because Mm -hmm. they think that it was somebody else and then i'm making it up because they sent out like the descriptions and no one came forward and said that they knew who these people were yeah because a bunch of hell and she's not gonna gonna be like oh i know felon jim bob over there yeah i sold him his rifle like no seriously so it's rough the trial takes like a year and she's just completely ostracized like her friends parents will let them hang out with her because they're like no she was involved in this crime and yeah like i feel so bad for her but like i'm gonna give it like a four and a half out of five i think they gave a a little bit too much information um at the very beginning just kind of around like her foster home and stuff like it was a four-hour read and i think it was probably almost an hour of it we're talking about like her background Mm. but again i do think it does inform the story like it needed to be in there 
because it told us like how why she reacted the way she did otherwise it wouldn't have made sense for her to be like no they're totally cops like I'm so scared that I don't want to go back into the system Mm -hmm. like so it made sense in the context but I think that there was maybe still a little bit too much information yeah maybe they (laughs) could have done it could have have wrapped it up a little bit yeah um but yeah it was it was a really good book and it was really interesting and it like I said I was just infuriated with the cops this whole time I'm like she's literally a 13 year old girl like I'm not saying that like 13 year old girls can't commit crimes or be involved in crimes like that definitely happens but like in a small town in the 70s like you really thought that that was the most logical choice also now y'all look like dummies when it turned out only one of them believed her like yeah like yeah honestly it was ridiculous so they did you know get the convictions and like those guys went to jail and stuff um but still awful Jeez. yeah yeah so that was my true crime all right well mine is very different uh because it's not like a murder crime so it's more white collar so come back to me two weeks hear about that um until then we got full episodes we got all kinds of things you can find us on our socials which y'all know what they are this is a mini so i don't even have to say them all this time i'm gonna go with that uh and we'll talk to everyone later bye everyone bye